The detail is funded through the Public Interest Journalism Fund, administered by New Zealand On Air. Yes, this podcast is part of the team of 55 million, apparently being controlled like puppets by Jacinda Ardern. I'm Alexia Russell, the Details producer, and I'm really sick of hearing that. 2022 will be our fourth year of operation, with the first two and a half also paid for by you, the taxpayer, also through NZ On Air. Same funding source, new name. So what's so different now to a year ago when the fund was announced? After an awful lot of consultation, lobbying and eventually discussions in Cabinet, the government unveiled the Public Interest Journalism Fund, $55 million for the media over three years. They said this would help sustain at-risk local news and journalism and in the big picture it would be a contribution to a healthy democracy. That's Media Watch's Colin Peacock who sums up the way the money is to be spent on specific journalism projects to be delivered to the public to a deadline, on industry development, things like cadetships, training and capacity building, and on actually employing reporters in newsrooms around the country. This is the biggest single public investment in journalism in decades. We have historically neglected our funding for public media. So we we spend a lot less than um, many countries we compare ourselves to. So we spend much less than Australia, the the UK, Canada, Ireland. Per capita, we've really Mm. neglected public media. But the fund has become a lightning rod for those who love to shoot the messenger. The mantra being that accepting government money makes us government toadies. Quite clearly, $55 million paid to the media last year during the, uh, right before the election campaign. Another 55 out this year in January. You know, you have to wonder, does that buy compliance or what? When media is getting funding, you have to actually sort of ask the question, you know, can the media uh, do their duty in exposing the, um, let's say, if there were problems uh, in government or ministers, if there were um, things that should not happen, does in fact happen, can the media honestly actually say, can they bite the hand that feed them? Well, Nationals Broadcasting spokesperson Melissa Lee, yes, we can and will. We would fall over laughing if someone from the government rang us up and told us to go easy or, you know, can you not discuss that issue or anything like that. It just it just doesn't happen. I know I'm on a hiding to nothing here. Of course I'm going to defend our impartiality. So today I'm talking to two people who are making great use of the PIJF and who can explain how this money is improving journalism. And I ask if they have any regrets in taking cash that could be seen as tainted. Newsroom has always been a public interest journalism site, really. That's what we do. That's what we were founded for. And when the opportunity came up to get some more funding, I guess, from for public interest journalism, it seemed obvious that we would go for it. That's my boss, the executive producer of The Detail and Newsroom's co-editor, Mark Jennings. I think someone put it the other day at the symposium, is that once the, 50, the government had uh, committed $55 million to public interest journalism, it meant that people who had been you know, just holding on in those newsrooms or in the industry could finally uh, begin to dream again. And I think that's a really good explanation because I kind of felt that too. And this is experienced Māori broadcaster Mihi Forbes, who's helping to change the journalism landscape. When I read through the criteria and what the funding pools might look like, I started to be able to really start thinking outside of the box 
And um, when it came to Māori journalism, you know, I read through um, the reports and so public interest journalism isn't just mainstream, it's also um, plurality of voice and it's got to be for all New Zealanders, so diversity as well. Um, it just made sense that this was the opportunity uh, the first time I think in probably about 20 or so years that there's been any real investment into Māori um, training. Um, yeah, and so we just went for it. And I actually would have been disappointed had we not got funding. And it does involve a lot of admin, a lot of reporting back, you know, a, a lot of putting your plan in and titillating the plan. And has it been worth it? Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, I mean, the thing is, if you're not used to putting in funding proposals and producing programs and projects, then you wouldn't really be used to the the, uh, the reporting steps. And so um, I've done a few now, so I'm kind of used to how NZ on Air's reporting works. Mihi is the power behind Party People, which is a sometimes raucous and always robust video podcast featuring a Maori lens on politics. It's streamed online and broadcast live on platforms including RNZ and features To Henare and Shane Tipo. She is the ref. I'm a journalist and um, those other two have worked in politics for a very long time and they're not uh, currently tied to any party as such. They're free um, voting, free deciding, free choosing individuals who just know a lot about politics and are not afraid to have a go and many times in many episodes if you go through them if you care to take a look you know um it's not great for the for the government it's not great for the opposition it's not great for the act party i mean and at the same time you know they do acknowledge where where good things have where policies have worked out or where um you know, different speeches or debates in the house and things like that so it's it's, yeah. it's no holds barred really isn't it it's definitely no holds bad. <laughs> the only thing they're not allowed to do is swear, and <laughs> often I have to have a very stern conversation with them before we go in because they're literally scrapping before they get in there. But, yeah, to hone it down a wee bit. So in relation to that, have you ever had an occasion where someone from the government has rung you and said, right, you've gone too far? Any, any sort of communication from government channels at all as a result of one of your party people broadcasts? You know... I've never actually really had that in my whole career and um, I certainly haven't had it on party people. PIJF funding is also being used by Mihi's Aotearoa Media Collective to train Māori journalists for the 21 iwi radio networks. We identified that the iwi radio network has been underfunded um, and kind of ignored and forgotten about for so long that if there was going to be a fund to increase public interest journalism, that they should be getting some support. Um, and so, yeah, we just came up with a bit of a programme. And initially it was meant to be workshops around the country. We would travel to their regions and talk to them about how using their minimal platforms, some of them only have a Facebook page or maybe an old clunky website. Um, how do we start doing journalism or public interest journalism using those um, platforms. And so you might be like a little station up the East Coast with, um, you know, you do the community news and the sports news and things like that, but how do you actually report on court or how do you mm. do go along to the community meeting or um, the council meeting? So we devised a, 
a, pro a program. We wrote a handbook for journalism, Māori journalism, through the eyes of Māori journalists. And then we turned those mid-October, we made a decision that we weren't going to get around the country in workshops. And we made a big, hard decision to go online. And it was, oh my gosh, I don't know. The work that we've had to put into it, it's been amazing, but it was really, really tough. And there's so much work involved. And so we now have a whole series of workshops um, which have really amazing hands-on modules um, and then workshop uh, webinar workshops off the back of them. And we've put through about 74 individuals from the 21 iwi uh, radio stations. And of those, we've had 16 webinars. And I think we've taught, we've had 216 sessions. When I look back at my opportunity at TVNZ back in the early 90s, um, when there was investment and training, uh, every single person that I worked with back then that had that opportunity is still in the industry. And in fact, they're at leadership levels in the industry now. You know, they're at TVNZ, they're at RNZ, they're all around. So that's how I know that investing in young people um, turns out. So I know that all of these people that we have been training I've got a pretty good gauge of how many of them will continue, uh, maybe not to, um, next month or any time this year because of COVID, but I imagine in the next couple of years they'll start, you know, their wings will get a little bit ready and they'll take flight and off they'll go to wherever they're going to go uh, in the industry because, you know, there's a, they've been trying to fill 120 diverse jobs and there just isn't enough people. Newsroom's Mark Jennings describes public interest journalism as journalism that wouldn't be done otherwise if there wasn't public funding for it. It's areas where the media have withdrawn from, and I'll give you an example. Um, it's one of the areas where we have applied successfully for some funding, and that's South Island regional journalism. Um, so it's those sort of things that have been impacted by the media's sort of perilous uh, economic state um, and are now not covered, which are deemed to be, you know, should be covered. It's not really economic for them to cover anymore and they have withdrawn from them. But they are usually of importance to our democracy. For instance, the local democracy reporters which cover council meetings, etc., are deemed important, um, but the media has largely withdrawn from those. Um, areas of regional reporting, where we've got these so-called news deserts, and also, I guess, underserved communities like Māori, uh, Pacific Island, etc., are regarded as areas that are in the public interest and is this, is this just a thing for us to get over the COVID bump or is this media deficit been brewing for much longer? It has been brewing for longer, but COVID kind of brought it to a head. And that's when I think the government, Chris Farfoy, decided the media needed a bit of a hand if it wasn't to continue its retreat from these areas of public interest reporting. Um, and he also saw it as a way of helping the media transition to more stable revenue schemes or, or sources, if you like. So it had a twofold purpose, and essentially it was to stop 
heaps of journalists leaving the industry. And Raywan Rash, who administers this fund, has been on record as saying that actually New Zealand does very little in the way of public funding news media. I look at, at the level of New Zealand funding of, of public um, media and it's very, very small. We apparently are at almost the bottom of the list. Is that true? Uh, I don't think it's strictly true, but because the reality is we are a small country and there is a limited amount of taxpayers' money, um, we've had New Zealand on air for, for 30 years and it has used public funding to support areas of the media uh, that have been under pressure, like drama and, and more recently uh, news and current affairs. So how does this new fund differ from New Zealand On Air? It doesn't really, in my view. Um, the processes are pretty much the same, um, although its aims are really around news. New Zealand On Air has a much wider remit in terms of comedy, drama, children's, etc. This fund is devoted to news. But all the sort of processes and checks and balances are pretty much the same. So what happens when it stops? What does the government mean by transitioning to other revenue sources? Yeah, well, I guess it means um, paywalls, subscription services, maybe deals with Facebook and Google. Um, but you raise a really important point, which I think a lot of the media are quite worried about. When this money finishes or dries up... And that's in three years. Yes, well, now, now we're down to less than two. Um, so... What happens to the people that have been employed in these jobs? Some of the projects are very short shelf life projects, but what they do do is start to build back that sense of, of, of public interest journalism so that hopefully, you know, in a couple of years' time, we've built an expectation that actually these are things that are important, important to our country. One of the reasons that we're spending quite a lot of time and effort in tracking the results of this fund is so that hopefully by the end of it, we'll be able to demonstrate that this is what was produced, this was the outcome, this was the public good that came from it. And hopefully, you know, we, we'll find other ways or the government may even look to, to continue some of the funding in some way or shape or form because without it, you know, the situation remains dire for many media organisations. If people think you get this money easily, they're mistaken. There's also a cost to it, not only in terms of administration, but at the moment, the overheads of employing people are not really included in the funding. Um, so there's a net cost to media companies um, from getting this funding, which is not, I think, really understood by the industry, although it is now, and there's complaints about that. So, yeah, it's, it's quite a process. Do you think there are any media organisations who have regretted accepting this money? I know there are. Um, a couple have said to me, we wish we'd never gone into this. Why it's, is that? Well, it's taken up so much of our executive time. Um, it's cost us money. Um, and now the public are saying, um, you know, we're on the government's payroll. So it's got a negative perception for us. Wish we'd never touched the whole thing. Um, so there, there is some of that. I'm not one of those people, but there definitely is. For Newsroom, you know, I mean, Newsroom prides itself in um, being fiercely independent, outside, almost outside the mainstream. 
Were you at all worried that your acceptance of government money would lead to accusations that you're on the gravy train? No, I wasn't worried at all because I've had long experience with New Zealand On Air. And if you look back, they've funded Q&A, they've funded The Nation, um, they've funded Newsroom Investigates before the PIJF arrived. Um, And there's never been really any question about favouring the government. In fact, um, you know, even today we had a person unsubscribe from Newsroom because of, quote, our relentless negativity towards the government. Um, Now, we don't think we are, but no, I didn't have the slightest worry. But I do now because I think there is a perception uh, that somehow we're part of the team of 55 million. Like you, during my holiday period, I had plenty of people um, who knew me come up to me and say, oh, you're on the government payroll, whatever. Um, So there's a perception out there. But frankly, from my point of view, it's bollocks. It's just another stupid conspiracy theory, and it doesn't stack up at all. I think one of the things that happens is that if the media is seen to support, say, the vaccination uh, program that the government has placed a huge amount of stock in, um, somehow you are seen to be supporting the government. Actually, you're not. You're just supporting the vaccine rollout. Uh, but these things can get, you know, I guess, mixed up a bit in people's minds. Um, but no, I've never had any direction to be more woke um, or whatever that is, really. I'm not fully sure what it is, but um, at all, no. The money comes without any of those strings. If you ask who is the biggest political critic of the government, I would say it's ex-leader David Seymour. So I asked him, I said to him, do you think um, the media is favouring the government with this fund? And he said to me, one word answer, no. Um, Now, if anybody was going to have a go and use this politically, it would be him. But he said, no, I do not believe it at all. And and I should point out, too, that I've never, ever had anybody from New Zealand on air ever suggest any editorial direction or tone or flavour of coverage, not the tiniest skerrick of it. Two PIJF projects in particular stick out as topics the government would prefer to keep buried. A follow-up on the controversial and award-winning Brian Bruce documentary on child poverty and money for a business desk series on how our public service measures up. Take the business desk, for example. If a government was really trying to influence um, or or curry favour or get favourable coverage, it would hardly want that, would it? It wouldn't want someone poking into the the public service particularly. So I think it's just a good example of um, how stupid these claims are that, you know, the government's trying to get an easy run here. Another example, I guess, would be another look at the kind of infamous documentary from 10 years ago uh, about the welfare of children, child poverty in New Zealand. Yeah, that was a highly contentious uh, documentary and it screened just before an election and caused all hell uh, 10 years ago, and the fact that it's being revisited, and I suspect that the child poverty statistics aren't going to be much better. So again, um, 
you know, it's it's likely to be critical of the government, I suspect. And and directly aimed at Jacinda Ardern, who has taken it upon herself to be the child poverty minister. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bet no one has had any pressure at all um, to report that in child poverty in a certain way. It, ju- it just won't. They'll do a, a good documentary, I'm sure. But that won't convince those who are calling Jennings a government toady and are calling Mihi Forbes and her colleagues sellouts. Yeah, it's really split and separated our people and many of us have whānau members who, you know, fight with us daily, weekly, um, call us things and, um, you know, are just so pissed off with us that we're not telling these stories. Just because your funding's coming from the government? Yeah. I mean, they've totally bought into the whole anti-government, anti-our leadership um, and that we are being funded through um, this Labour government that's buying us off. They're buying us off, apparently. So, yeah. And it doesn't matter, you know, and and I, for a long, long time, probably for a whole year, I have personally responded to people on my Facebooks saying, you know, you know me or I know your auntie or you know my cousin, and you know that I can't be paid off, yet you're still telling me that I'm being paid off by the government. And they'll say, oh, not you, cuz, those other guys. And I'm like, but I am the other guys because my funding comes from the same places as them. So, yeah, it's really time-consuming, exhausting process. We've had uh, taxpayer funding or public funding for Newsroom Investigates for four years now. Melanie Reid has been relentless in digging into Aranga Tamariki and the government's um, handling of this department. We've gone after the government in so many different ways. To say that we, um, and and people do say this, that that we have gone a bit soft on the government because we've got money from the PIJF, um, and to accuse other media organisations of it, it's just bollocks. Is just conspiracy theory nonsense, and it really disappoints me. And the fact now that we've got the situation where the government, and I'm sure future governments, will think, ooh, we don't want this sort of backlash or backwash on us, so we won't fund this, that really annoys me. That's enough for today. The detail is, as you now know, public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. The detail would not exist without this funding. Um, The podcast market in New Zealand is still relatively immature. There would not be enough commercial revenue um, to support the four people that work on the detail and produce a high-quality podcast every day. You can download us free to your mobile phone every weekday on any podcast platform. Jeremy Ansell engineered this episode, and thanks to Mark Jennings and Mihi Forbes. Ka kite ana. Thank you.